Hey everyone, Harry here, and welcome to the first episode of The Unstarving Artist. I'm so glad that you're here. So if you're just joining us, what you want to do is, if you're on YouTube, you can like and subscribe to this video. That way you'll get notified of all the episodes as they come out. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, Substack, you name it, go ahead and follow the show if you want to uh, <coughs> follow along and see more of these episodes as well. So first off, what is The Unstarving Artist? The Unstarving Artist is a video podcast. It's going to give me the opportunity to share helpful ideas I've learned along the way, working with hundreds of artists, uh, helping them, speaking with thousands of them, and not only share helpful ideas, also learn from other people, learn from yourself, um, really start a community, a two-way dialogue with our wider audience. Um, I want this to be a source of positive encouragement, uh, and a uh, source of motivation so that you can work harder toward your goals and actually make them happen. And if, you, um, if you're like me at all, you can work hard on what you're doing, but uh, sometimes the, we can work um, in isolation where we're on our own, um, especially if you're doing something creative like making art. And so it's so valuable to have uh, a place where you can build community, uh, network, get to know your peers, uh, be in dialogue with others so that you don't feel like you're all out on your own. Okay. And so I want to actually foster uh, a community through this so we can get to know each other, interact more, and uh, really benefit from the meaningful work that we're doing and building meaningful relationships together. So the show is going to evolve the format. Um, we'll play around. We'll have fun together. We'll figure out what makes the most sense. Uh, starting out, what I think is going to be most valuable is if I just share uh, my perspective on different uh, questions that are coming up um, in our community. We have questions from artists all the time. And so if they're asking it, it's going to benefit you as well to have some perspective on those. Um, if this is going well, if people are liking this, um, I'd love to have guests on this show, interview people, uh, artists in the art world, other professionals in the art world, uh, people that are unconventional artists as well. Maybe they're you know, not necessarily technically an artist, but there's a lot of artistry in what they do. So um, yeah, if, if you guys engage with this, support this show, um, we'll be able to do more and more cool stuff like that. So for today, I've got four or five things on the docket that I thought would be useful to discuss that are questions that are coming up right now um, with my artists. And so um, there's no particular order to these. It'll be a little bit kind of stream of consciousness, but I think it's still going to be really valuable. And so I hope you enjoy this and can benefit from it. So the first thing I want to comment on is um, what I call sharing and celebrating wins. So whether you're a hobbyist, whether you're a professional artist, um, as you progress, as you go about with your art practice, you're going to have wins. And they're going to be wins, creative wins, like learning a new technique, learning a new style, uh, finishing a work of art or make it, hitting a milestone in making a work of art. But there's also wins on uh, the business side or the social side of your art practice. So if someone uh, becomes a new co collector, if a collector uh, that you worked with a long time ago comes back and buys again, uh, if you um, get into a show or win some award or get featured in the gallery, you name it, like those are, of course, all obvious wins. But there's also lots of small wins that are happening all the time, too. So um, just having somebody say something positive about your work or appreciating your work, even if they're not going to buy it, um, 
having a call with somebody who's interested in buying, but they don't end up buying. You know, you might think, oh, that's, that's a loss. I, I didn't get the sale. But actually, if you look at it in a different way, it can still be a win and you can chalk it up as a win. You can celebrate it as a win. And so my first point is that I want to train you, encourage you to start to look for wins everywhere, big or small. Um, there are wins happening all the time and uh, to you, to you and your situation. And so the first benefit of that is it trains you to look at things in a positive light. And if you have that sort of positive attitude, that positive energy, um, other people are going to like it and they're going to respond to it. You know, if we want to be in relationship with other people, we want to be in relationship with people that will brighten our day, lift our moods, um, uh, uh, help us see the positive in things. And so it's almost like a magnet, just that alone, that will draw more people to you and want to support you in your art practice. The ne- another reason why it's really po- um, useful to celebrate wins is that uh, you'll then start to think, oh, well, let me document this win. So you'll be collecting more photos, more videos, what's called social proof. Um, if you've ever heard of testimonials or reviews, those are, of course, a style of social proof. It's um, um, showing that people like you, trust you, they respect you and what you're doing, and they want to publicly state it. They're making a public statement, wow, I had a great experience working with this person. But social proof can be so much broader than that. So many times um, people think, oh, well, I don't have a collector yet. I haven't sold any of my work. I don't have, I can't get a testimonial. I can't get a case study. I can't get a review. Um, but the truth is, even if you haven't made a sale yet or you haven't made a sale in a while, there's going to be so much social proof all around you that you can collect and capture and still leverage on your way to getting those bigger wins. Okay, so that's what I want you to do as well. It's like, start collecting that. Um, I know in my experience, like I'm not a personally, um, by nature, I'm not somebody who's into talking about myself, uh, publicly uh, broadcasting uh, what's going on. But when I first realized this, and I started documenting my own wins, whether I had a really good conversation with somebody, whether it went, went, went to a sale or not, but I talked about it, um, it would show people, wow, like uh, uh, people value his opinion. People are coming to him for advice. People are looking to uh, get help. And it basically builds more interest. It builds more desire and it helps making the next sale easier. And then when I started sharing uh, when I would make the next sale, if, I'm, if I brought on a new client, the act of just sharing a message about how I brought on a new client would make it easier to get the next client. So it's a little counterintuitive to us. We haven't been you know, trained by our environment, by our culture to talk about in this, uh, ourselves and our progress in this way. There's absolutely a way to do it where you're not going to be arrogant or braggadocious, but it might feel like that a little bit to us if we're not used to it yet. But there's totally like a nice, authentic way of doing it where you can really celebrate those wins um, and do so publicly so you can get benefit from it. Okay, so that's my first tip, my first thought. It's something that I've seen that in our communities, people are getting better and better at doing, but it's still something that I think uh, we can do more of. Um, we, we can do more of it um, in the community, but then also get in the habit of doing it publicly as well. Another thing I see when sharing wins, uh, so first off, it's great if you're doing it, uh, but uh, Maybe you've done this to yourself. You know, you have a win, and then as soon as you have that win and you want to celebrate it, you start like, um, what's it called? Like uh, uh, downplaying it. So you say, well, uh, this win happened to me, but you know, it didn't really count, or this happened, or, or um, it wasn't perfect, or whatever it is. You start to like kind of uh, just uh, immediately start to discount the win itself. I want to encourage you, if you 
if you try this out, if you start capturing wins, you start celebrating wins, if you find that voice in your head, some sort of voice that's kind of like discounting things, selling yourself short, uh, feeling like you have to uh, caveat it and make it into less of a big deal, cut all that out. <laughs> Just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's true and it doesn't mean you have to put it out there. Um, it really does. It's so much more potent if you have a small win. If you just make it all positive, um, don't don't um, you know be your own worst enemy and actually like counter the win, counter the success. Now, I'm not saying to be to lie or not be truthful, not at all. Like definitely be authentic and true, but it doesn't mean that you have to. Um, uh, yeah, like just um, uh, inject any sort of like discounting or caveats or um, kind of excuses or uh, rationalizations to downplay it. I don't know why that's a phenomenon, um, but I see it again and again. And it, um, what it ends up doing typically is it kind of takes, takes the wind out of uh, the people's sales who's reading your, um, the wind out of the sales of the person reading your post or takes the air out of the room or takes the, what's the saying like, uh, takes the air out of the balloon, right? You see like a balloon that's uh, full and then all the air fizzles out, right? It's kind of like someone's excited for you and then like the balloon just collapses because, oh, like they're reading it and as they read more and more, they realize that you're not that excited or you have caveats or you're discounting it, you're playing it down. Um, and then as a result, they're less likely to uh, comment on it, reply, um, engage with it. Uh, they're less likely to be uh, moved by it to um, uh, reach out to you, engage with you, or um, you know have a positive impact in their life. So it's so funny how like our our mood and our psychology and how we relate to what's happening in our lives, what's, whether we look at something as a win or as a loss, um, and then how we talk about it, then affects how other people interact with us and whether they're drawn to us or repelled from us. Okay, so that's my first tip is. Uh, Cultivate an awareness of all the wins that are happening around you, big or small, and then start collecting them, capturing them, documenting them as much as you can. And then when you share them publicly, don't caveat them, don't discount them, don't uh, hem and haw and add all this extra context. It's just going to be boring and actually, like people are just going to get not interested. They're going to bounce and then you're going to not have nearly as much of a benefit from those, um, those moments. Okay, that's point one. Point two and this is a bit of a non sequitur, uh, so uh, follow along with me. Um, we're going to talk briefly about NFTs. Uh, this is a question that comes up in our community again and again, a couple times a month. We're not going to get into how to make them. Uh, I, I'm, we're not going to get into my opinions on whether they're good or bad. It's not about that. It's that um, if you've been on Instagram at all for a while, these days people will reach out to you uh, about doing NFTs in Instagram Messenger. And it will often sound too good to be true, right? They'd say, they're going to pay you a large sum of money for NFTs. Um, so what do you do in a scenario like that? Is it real? Is it not real? So on and so forth. So, and this is really actually a, um, a minor example of a broader point. Uh, so that's one example of NFTs. But another thing might be, hey, somebody comes to me and they want me to do an anniversary gift for their, their wife. Or uh, somebody wants this specific thing. Or they have a different this, that, and the other. There's this tendency or desire to think that every case is like a special snowflake where it's unique and on its own and it needs special handling, special messaging, special uh, approach to uh, 
maximize the chances that they become a sale. A better way to think about it is to have a nice, flexible, conversational model, uh, uh, a lead generation model, where no matter where they're coming from, what their interests are, how, how they're reaching out to you, what the topic is, you have sort of a flexible but opinionated uh, process or funnel that you drive them through. And if they are going to be a good fit, if they are interested, they'll move all the way through and they'll become a customer. But if for some reason they have bad intentions or uh, they want to do something strange or peculiar or it's not real, they will just self-select out because they will just say, hey, you know what? This isn't worth the effort for me if I'm doing something nefarious um, and I'll move on. So how does this apply to the NFTs? Exactly that. So if somebody comes to you with some sort of you know, too-good-to-be-true offer or something that seems um, kind of fanciful, um, you want to have a process where you can uh, build a relationship with them, chat back and forth, um, invite them to a call. Um, and then from there, once you've done that, uh, if they are genuine and, and really um, interested, you'll be able to vet that out. You'll be able to talk to them face-to-face. There's, it's, it's, um, it's not realistic for somebody who's never talked to you as an artist to want to invest $1,000 or more with your work um, unless you have like a really big audience, you've been at it for a while, you're very good at marketing, and they feel like they have so much rapport through your content. But if you're like most artists, you're just starting out, you don't have that many followers, it's a very small account. Um, serious buyers want to get to know, like, and trust you as a person before they invest. So if they're not willing to get on a call and talk to you, um, if they're not willing to follow your process and follow your lead, then um, just let. don't even worry. Don't try to judge whether they're um, a bad actor or not, a scammer or not. It doesn't really matter. Just let them self-select out. Let them fall out of the process and and forget about them and move on. And if you do that, you won't run into any issues. You won't um, uh, fall into any traps or anything like that. Okay, next question. Being self-starting in the face of technical challenges. So I know a lot of artists don't think of themselves as technical people. They're not maybe not very techy. A lot of you do, and that's great. Um, but in the case where you run into a technical issue, um, you know, myself, I look at myself as technical, but I run into technical problems all the time. Um, what you want to do is uh, be as self-starting and proactive and positive as you can. Why is that? Well, I'll get stuck on something technical. And if I can just tell myself, you know what? I know I'm stuck right now, but I can do this. I can figure this out. It's almost like that adds 20 IQ points to you. If you just tell yourself positive talk that I can do this, I can figure this out. Um, the next thing you want to do is just calm your emotions and try to think about logically, like what is specific, the specific problem that I'm facing? Where am I stuck? And if you can just articulate the problem, then a lot of times the solution becomes really clear. Or at least you have what you can take and then uh, find the answer. Um, so today with Google, with YouTube, um, there are so many good free resources out there if you just can articulate your problem the right way. If you have the right articulation, you can search YouTube, you can find a little you know, quick tutorial on how to reset your password on Instagram or whatever it might be. And then you're off to the races, okay? So there's actually this really funny like uh, uh, practice from the software world. Um, software people, you know, they're working on new problems every single day. Um, if the software already existed and what they're working on, they wouldn't be writing it again. They would just reuse the existing stuff. So you're constantly facing net new technical problems that you have not faced before. And all of your peers, you know, that you're working with, they're doing the same thing. So if you're stuck, 
um, and you're just waiting for somebody else to answer your questions, your question's never going to get answered. You have to basically uh, figure out how to synthesize and combine things together, come up with your answers in a self-starting way as much as possible. And so what do they do when they run into a problem and run into something they're stuck on? There's a practice that's developed where you actually get a rubber duck, like a bath toy, a um, couple bucks on Amazon, and you have it on your desk. And when you're stuck with something, it reminds you to just talk it out, articulate what the problem is. So in effect, it's called rubber duck troubleshooting or rubber duck, rubber duck deep, uh, debugging. And you literally talk to an in inanimate rubber duck. And nine times out of 10, when you do that, you actually solve your own problem. So I would encourage you to try that out. If you run into technical issues, if you want some uh, technique to help you solve more of them and, and solve them faster, uh, pick up a little rubber duck. And then when you're getting that frustrated frustration, when you're seeing red, you just look down at the rubber duck and say, oh, wait a minute, I can figure this out. And then you can go from there. Uh, now, beyond the classic tools of Google and, and YouTube and things like that, uh, there's a new tool called ChatGPT. You may have heard of. It's an AI uh, chat assistant. Uh, I have no affiliation to it. It's not a partner of mine or uh, something I can refer. I just am a happy uh, user of it. And I've found in my experience, it can be quite good at helping you uh, troubleshoot tech issues. It knows a lot about uh, tech problems. And at minimum, if it can't solve it for you, it can help you articulate how, how to ask about it, how to search it in Google, how to find the answer uh, as well from there. So definitely, if you haven't used that, try out ChatGPT. It can be really helpful for troubleshooting technical issues. And then, of course, if the service you're trying to troubleshoot, if it's like a paid service like Zoom or um, uh, a calendar tool, whatever it might be, they're going to have support on staff that are specialists that are dedicated to helping solve these problems. And I use support all the time. I've seen it when I'm working with my own team members, um, working with my clients, excuse me, clients. A lot of people, um, for some reason, like don't think to use the, the official support as an option. But I don't have any shame about doing it. I don't have any qualms about doing it. So if I get stuck after just three or four or five minutes, I will go see if they have an official support and I will immediately put in a live chat question, a email question, because um, I know that they're going to get the result to me. They're going to be able to get me the answer fast. And that's what they're paid to do. Okay, so don't ever be afraid to use that. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It's so valuable just to uh, not tolerate being stuck. Um, and so just use those official resources. Okay. Um, if you're working with somebody like myself or another coach, you know, we're smart. Um, we are probably more technical, but we don't have all the technical things in our head, right? If there's, if you're running into like how to reset your password in a certain tool, we don't know it off the top of our head. So all we're doing is like, uh, uh, all we would be doing is going to that tool's help desk, um, uh, looking for an article on how to do that and then sharing that information with you. So it's already there. You can just kind of cut out the middleman and get that result faster if you want to. Sweet. All right. So we got two more topics. Hope these first three have been helpful and we'll, we'll, um, and then we'll wrap things up. Next one is that if you're on Instagram, Instagram is really popular for artists, um, but it's also changing and evolving all the time. So there's a guy named Adam Mosseri. He runs Instagram at Meta, which used to be called Facebook. And he has, uh, he's on Instagram and you can follow him there and he will share updates to the product as they come out. So a couple of ones that were recent that came out, Reels, Trends, and then you can have more links in your bio. Um, so if you didn't know that, um, it's probably because you haven't been following him. 
um, or following their blog. So I would highly encourage you to do that. It's great. He'll make a little reel. Uh, it'll be very succinct and explain the changes. And then there'll be a link to a longer blog post typically that explains those changes. Okay. So Reels Trends allows you to search Instagram for uh, trending reels by topic and hashtag. Super valuable if you're looking for content ideas. Uh, the multiple links in the bio, that's like Linktree used to you know, offer that. Personally, my opinion, you should not have multiple links in your bio at all. Uh, it's just more rabbit holes and points of confusion. They have to decide which link to click on and it can distract them from the one action that's most valuable for them to take. So, um, But still, nevertheless, it's just useful to know these changes so you can stay abreast of them and then the, you can figure out which ones you want to uh, uh, adjust to and which ones you want to ignore. Okay, so definitely follow Adam on Instagram if you're not doing that. All right, our last and final point of discussion is back on the topic of lead generation and sales. The one of our artists recently had the realization that it's so powerful to not prejudge leads. And this actually kind of comes back to what I was talking about with the specific case of the NFTs. Um, we have this tendency to want to bucket leads into different like stereotypes or archetypes. Um, oh, like this is a uh, you know local lead, an online lead, an, uh, a gallery lead, a uh, repeating collector. And then we think because they're special in that way, they have to have a special treatment to them. But if you do that, just it's not feasible. Things break down because it's too much complexity and you're trying to memorize all these little rules. It's so much better to have a nice singular mental model, opinionated mental model that is flexible for all of those different scenarios and where you understand sort of first principles, what works and what doesn't, what, how you're trying to develop a relationship, where you're trying to advance the conversation. And so if you operate from those sort of general good principles, then you can kind of improvise with each of them based on the little details that are incidental and not really material to the relationship. And um, yeah, kind of like shape each a lead up to be more consistent and kind of move them through that process. Doesn't mean that we treat people like, uh, like we're, uh, a robotic process or like a piece of meat or something like that. Not at all. But there is this balance where you can have one process, one uh, uh, step, um, series of steps, no matter where they're coming from, no matter how they initially interact with you, engage with you. And so yeah, resist the temptation of when you first see somebody, you see their Instagram profile to try to size them up and, and bucket them in some way. Um, because we just when we do that, we create sort of like a fantasy in our head that may not be real at all. And so um, I used to do this all the time. It's human nature. We do it. But you can kind of train yourself to do it less and less, not judge them, not be attached to your preconceived notions of what they're going to be like when you interact with them. And then when you do that, you create more space to be present with them, listen well, help them out. And then um, you won't inadvertently uh, turn away good leads um, or reject people or turn them off or things like that. Okay, so treat everyone the same. Don't be attached to um, your preconceived notions of who they are. Um, instead, focus on what you can control. Focus on you doing the best that you can to uh, show up, uh, build a relationship, follow the steps in your process. And if you get better and better at what you can do, then you'll be able to turn more and more of those people into great leads and ultimately collectors for you. Okay, so that's it for the docket today. I hope this has been really helpful. Uh, Maybe you picked up a couple of tidbits, some um, uh, nuggets of wisdom that you can implement this week. Um, if you like this content, if you want more of this content, again, go ahead and like and subscribe 
to this channel on YouTube. We'll be dripping out uh, the live streams there. Um, if, you, if you prefer to listen to on a podcast or on Substack, make sure to subscribe there. Follow that podcast there. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. And then last but not least, comment below and give me your feedback. Let me know uh, what questions are on your mind. Uh, let me know uh, what sort of content you want to see. If there's people you want me to interview, um, I want your feedback. I want to create a conversation, a dialogue with you all um, so you can help me improve this going forward and we can make this a better and better asset for you all. Okay? Now, the last but not least thing is there are some different ways to work with me, of course, as well. Um, I'm not going to touch on those today, but if you're getting value from this, if you're enjoying this, stay tuned for that. I'll start to share more about that as we go along from here. Okay, so thanks so much, and I'll see you in the next uh, video. Peace.